On today's episode of the Locked On Texas podcast, we continue the conversation surrounding Justin Reed and his future with the team. The Tennessee Titans will take a look at that game on Sunday, and there may be a familiar face heading back to the AFC South. I think it's going to be super funny, but first... Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Locked On Texans podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am John Sun Sports Guy Hickman, joined by none other than Cody Davis. Excited for today's episode because we get an opportunity for First time in a very long time to continue a conversation with Justin Reed. And we talked about his future yesterday and whether or not the Houston Texans should seriously consider bringing him back. Why? Well, because he's a very good player at his position. He does his job whenever he's on the field and whenever he has a consistent running mate. However, it seemed like, I don't know if you listened to the show, watched us on YouTube <laughs> or what, but, you know, just hours after the show got posted, Excuse me, Justin Reed had somewhat of a of a farewell post, farewell post on Instagram, thanking the city of Houston, the fans, and we know how that traditionally goes. And Cody, I can't help but think to myself, was Sunday the last time Justin Reed suited up for the Houston Texans? Guys, remember, he was placed on the COVID list. He will not play on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans. What are your thoughts on Justin Reed and his future with the Texans, Cody? Mm. Well, like I mentioned on yesterday when we broke down why it was important for the Houston Texans to bring back Justin Reed, at the end of the day, unless they franchise tag him and pay him, what, $16-18 million for, for the 2022 season, it's not going to be up to the Houston Texans if he comes back. It's going to be up to Justin Reed. And just like everything that I broke down yesterday from the stupid suspension, from, from the inconsistencies that he has been going through, to him joining a Houston Texan team where it seems like they was on the trajectory for the up and up to be competing for the playoffs, to be a, a championship contender. You know, now they are in, of course, a rebuild. So you, you, you take a look at all this and you say to yourself, of course, it will make sense for Justin Reed to move on from the Houston Texans. However, with that being said, John, yesterday, we talked about why it was important for the Texans to resound him. Today, I want to look at it from the standpoint of why it's going to be very disheartening to lose Justin Reed. Because, look, I understand that Reed isn't a generational talent. I understand that Reed isn't a top-tier safety in this league. However, he is a guy where if you allow him to walk out the door off of 610 and Kirby, that is going to be another position Nick Casario is going to have to worry about this offseason. And look, this is a Texans team where they have a lot of holes to fill for this upcoming season. And if you allow Justin Reed to walk out that door, that is just another position you're going to have to worry about. However, with that being said, I'm not going to say it's impossible that you can find somebody to replace his services, but now it's going to be a little bit more important that you 
study the draft just a little bit longer. And now you're in a situation where instead of worrying about drafting a corner, which I do hope that is their first pick of the 2022 NFL draft, instead of you adding a very general, let's say a generational talent to your defensive line, rather that be Thibodeau, now you're going to have to take a look at a standpoint, okay, what are we going to do at the safety position? What I will say to that, this is why it was so, this is another reason why it was important for the Texans to see what they have in Davis Mills. Because, at least for the 2022 season with Davis Mills showing some type of promise, that is at least a position, at least a starting position for a starting quarterback for the team. That is something Nick Casario doesn't have to worry about. However, he's going to have to worry about how to revamp this offensive line, especially if you move on from Larry Tunsil. You're going to have to worry about how you're going to revamp your backfield because all of your running backs outside of Rex Burkhead from time to time are trash. You, you know, you take a look at the, of the defensive side of the ball. You know you want to add more talent to that defensive line. What, what about your secondary? If Justin Reed walks out the door, the secondary is going to be even weaker. In addition to the draft, I don't know if you're going to find somebody who's going to replace the caliber that Justin Reed brought to this organization over the past four seasons because, look, yes, the Houston Texans did exceed their low expectations by winning four games alone this year. However, it doesn't matter what the trajectory of the Houston Texans look like for 2022. This is still a non-destination for free agents. And there's and this is going to be another offseason where Nick Casario might be in a position where he's signing the bottom of the barrel in terms of players who are looking for a new home. So I hate to see Justin Reed go. This is a guy that has brought a lot of stability to this secondary, to this team, to the locker room, because he was a locker room leader ever since, what, his second season in the league. It's going to be hard for the Texans to find a replacement for Reed. A couple of things surrounding Justin Reed and the, uh, you know, potential departure slash farewell post on Instagram. Uh, you're 100% right, Cody. You know, now if he is gone, they're going to have to replace him. Now, a lot of people are looking at, you know, uh, the safety from Notre Dame, Hamilton. He's primed to be picked right there for the Houston Texans with that third overall pick. And a lot of fans I've seen really want him in town. It's just been great to have him and Reed back there. Um, but I will say that the NFL will increase the uh, cap for next year, which will be $208 million. The Texans are expected to have around $39.5 million to play with. Once those contracts get taken care of with players that are already on the roster, that could bring them down to $17.7 million, representing the team, which would be the 18th most uh, in the league for next year. Justin Reed is not a player that I would pay $16 million or that franchise tag. So, you know, I mentioned on yesterday, if you cannot get him back on a reasonable deal, franchise tag is not an option in my opinion, and I'd be comfortable with moving on from Justin Reed. One thing I look at with Justin Reed and a lot of other players with this franchise is they have never had an opportunity to have consistent help with them uh, going through the games, right? Justin Reed is a player from day one, was a very good safety drafted out of Stanford, right? Now, one thing about Justin Reed was year to year, new safety back there with him. Year to year, things are switching up on defense. Go from Romeo Cornell to Anthony Weaver, now Ludwig Smith, right? You go from Tyson Gibson at times a little die 
Eric Murray, Eric Murray, Lonnie Johnson, whenever they're getting switched out from safety to corner, safety to corner. Right. So there hasn't been a lot of consistency for Justin Reed. And I understand why he would want to leave. Listen, man, Justin Reed was a part of that, you know, duo with him and Zach Cunningham when they called out the coaching staff early in the year. That led to a suspension with Justin Reed, who fits the character mold that you want for this franchise. Eventually, it led to Zach Cunningham getting waived and being picked up by the Tennessee Titans, who we will see on Sunday. So, you know, there's been a lot that he as a player and as a man has probably had to consider, reconsider, and reconsider again about the team that drafted him. It just so happens that he is an unrestricted free agent. And I wouldn't be surprised if his agent is having conversations with him and saying, hey, man, this team is not in the position to franchise tag you. Now, if mm-hmm. they do, we're going to take that deal. You're going to get however much money that franchise tag will be, which excuse me, sits around $15.5, $16 million. We'll take that for one year, and then we will revisit our future with the Texans the following year, 2023. But I, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily – because you mentioned how this is another level or another thing Nick Casario has to deal with. Now, when I look at how he drafted last year, number one, there's no way he didn't go and accept his position last year, didn't look at the totality of this roster and say, well, these are guys that I have to worry about this year, but I also have to keep my mind and my eye on guys at these positions for the following year. He knew just to read. Was, and this contract was coming up. This deal, this rookie deal was coming up. I'm pretty sure he knew that. And one thing that I do like about Nick Casario, aside of the free agency, is he scouts really well. He did it for 20 years in New England. He did it in year one with the New England, I'm sorry, with the Houston Texans. Hmm. He was able to get Davis Mills, Nico Collins, Brevin Jordan, and Roy Lopez and Gary Walla, who had a good game for Houston in his first start, right? So scouting is not an issue for me. And you mentioned how when you have a Davis Mills, Number one, you're not going to reach on the quarterback in this year's draft if you don't want to, unless you get him in the later rounds. But he's able to scout and understand that, well, we need this guy to come in. We need this guy to come in. And we know their strengths and how they'll work out with this team. I'm faithful in that because he did it this year, for the most part. I just look at Justin Reed as a player, like I look at Lonnie Johnson. Like I look at a lot of these other players that were drafted in the last four to five years, how many times – did we look at this roster and see a lot of these roster changes and really consider how it affects the other players? Speaking of roster changes and Lonnie Johnson Jr., if this is the end of Justin Reed, and let's say he already chunked up the deuces is left, as of right now, the Houston Texans only have, from what I can count from the top of my head, six players that they drafted is still on the roster since I think 2017. You're looking at Titus Howard, Lonnie Johnson, Ross Blacklock, John Grenard, Charlie Heck, and Jordan Akins. Out of all these players, Jordan Akins is, is a guy that's definitely going to be out the door of six and Kirby. As a matter of fact, he's probably already at his, at his vacation destination as of right now. Lonnie Johnson, his future with this organization is a little bit shaky. John Ross Blacklock, I think he still has an opportunity to, to, to be a foundational piece for this team. If he if he is a part of this team in 2022, next year is going to be very crucial for that young man. Yeah, I think Lonnie, I'm not, not, not Lonnie, but I think Ross Blacklock is an offseason away. 
Ross Blacklock also said something that was very interesting to me. He mentioned how last year around this time, guys were basically, you know, packing it up, getting ready for the offseason, getting ready for their new teams. And there was a lot of rumors about the, uh, I guess, how can I put this, the relationship between he and J.J. Watt. We know that J.J. Watt mm -hmm. publicly criticized him as a veteran, and, and, and he was a rookie at the time, and he, instead of pulling him to the side. But he mentioned that this year, where they sit at the same win total from last year, new locker room, and I think he's a player that has benefited from a new locker room, new D.C., and, and just the newness of this team, whether there was a lot of success or not, because it wasn't his rookie year, right? And I think that you can look at this year as more successful, especially for Ross Blacklock. Right now he has two sacks from the year. What I'm getting at is he mentioned how this year is totally different. This year they're preparing correctly. They want to go out and win this game against the Tennessee Titans, which is very doable because you've proved to us you did it before. There's a shot for you to do it again. Something else that is very doable is sticking to your New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, Bill Bart should be included in your plan. One thing that I like about Bill Bart, it has a lot of different flavors, but most of the Bill Bart contains 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and a dozen of those net carbs. Carbs are something that you definitely want to stay away from in this new year. Mention those flavors. You got coconut almond, you got peanut butter brownie, you got raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, milk brownie, and many, many more. In fact, Bill Bar is always coming out with a new limited time flavors. So check out Bill.com often to see what's new. Go to Bill.com, like I just mentioned. Use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Bill.com. Welcome back into today's episode. Again, remember, we are free and available on all major platforms. Really quick, you know, I know we're having a tough time right now. <laughs> 15 uh, years ago, yep. the greatest yep. college football game ever. Oh, wow. and Man. Kind of I, I don't know. We've seen a lot of electrifying it wasn't games, like that, though. Vince Young versus Reggie Bush, man. Number one, number two, Heisman candidate, Heisman runner-up, you know, two quarterbacks that at least we thought at the time would have a, a very good career in the NFL. But Reggie Bush had a, had a pretty decent, you know, career on the Super Bowl. And, and, oh, you, oh, you know, talking about Matt Lina, yeah, okay. I, I don't think Reggie Bush lived up to what Reggie Bush could have did. I think I he did in New like, Orleans, you know, yeah, in the Super like, Bowl. I feel like Reggie Bush came out like a lot of NFL players in the 2000s earlier than what they should have. Mm -hmm. They would have been utilized a little bit better in today's game. But one thing about Reggie Bush, as you mentioned, Cody, you can't take away what he did for that New Orleans team. If they don't draft Reggie Bush, I don't think they win the Super Bowl. That's just my opinion. Reggie yeah, Bush just like just like, just like, like if the Texans drafted Vince Young, his career doesn't go down the toilet like it did in Tennessee. But that's just me. That's just me. That. That's just me. We can go back and forth on that. But speaking of Tennessee – the Titans take on the Texans on Sunday. Texans take on the Titans on Sunday. The Titans lost the last outing against the Houston Texans. And this is what I want to mention about that game. In that loss, how phenomenal the defense played. You guys know four interceptions, seven pass deflections, eight QB hits, and two sacks. And one thing that we didn't give a lot of credit to at the time was heading into that game, the Titans' defense was very high. 15 sacks in four games, getting after the quarterback, 
let me tell you something. The Texans did not get that credit. They did not allow one sack in that game. They did a great job of neutralizing that uh, defensive line, uh, the defensive front for the Tennessee Titans. Now, on Sunday, David Cully, he said something that, I, you know, it stuck out to me. And he mentioned that we were our own enemy. That same game, the first time that we played the Tennessee Titans, Titans head coach Mike Vrabel, our old uh, position coach, he, uh, D.C. here in town, you know what he said? Our offense certainly was its own worst enemy. Also, at the time, the Tennessee Titans had declared six players out for that game, including starters Bud Dupree and uh, Jack, Jack Rabbit Jenkins was also uh, a game-time scratch with a chest injury. Since then, the Tennessee Titans have looked much better. Deontay Foreman, he's been running the ball very efficiently for the Tennessee Titans. Actually, you know, he helped me win my fantasy football. Oh my so, you know, shout out to Foreman. But going into this game on Sunday, the Texans can spoil the Tennessee Titans' chance of being the number one seed, excuse me, in the AFC, something that I think the Tennessee Titans really need because if they don't, then that does not give Derrick Henry that extra week of rest. He is practicing. Mm. It's a stretch that he'd play on Sunday. I don't think he should play on Sunday. I think he should continue to just practice a rest. They're a lock-in for the, for the playoffs. But going into this game on Sunday, there's a lot of storylines. The Texans can be spoilers against the Tennessee Titan team. I don't think they, they're they're going to live up to that spoilers mentality. And look, John, I do get it. The Texans did beat the Tennessee Titans at like four or five weeks ago. Yes, I understand they did record, what was it, like four interceptions. I think five total takeaways because I believe they did have a fumble as well. But Derrick Henry wasn't playing. Julio Jones wasn't playing. Playing uh, Marcus Johnson, who is one of their, you know, most important weapon, you know, especially when – you know, Jones not being in it. I can't remember. Did AJ Brown play in that game? I want to say AJ Brown played. Uh, okay, okay. But I, I think you're right. So if AJ Brown played, Marcus Johnson was, you know, of course, the second tier wide receiver for Ryan Tannehill. And, and Johnson got hurt like early in the first quarter. That offense was just in shambles given to all the injuries. I know Mike said that their worst enemy was the offense, but I think their worst enemy was injuries. And when I look at the Tennessee Titans going into this game on Sunday, they want Derrick Henry for the playoffs. And they're going to do everything possible to go in there and demolish the Houston Texans to make sure they get that extra week. Because, John, if they get that extra week, that might be a different that that might be the difference maker in them reaching at least the AFC championship game because you're going to have I'm not going to say a full healthy Derrick Henry but like you mentioned that extra week is going to do runders cuz I do believe he's going to return for the playoffs whether they get that extra week or not but I want to see the Houston Texans win this game. I would love after everything this organization has been through ever since the calendar flipped to 2021 for 12 straight months for everything for them to beat the Titans and end this season with a W is going to do wonders for the offseason, especially considering last year, we just talked about this on yesterday too, 
They lost to the Titans in the season finale. And we saw our two franchise players walk out. And it seems like J.J. Watt was passing the mantle to Deshaun. And Deshaun threw his hands up and said, I don't want it either. I don't want so. it. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, but don't look at this game on Sunday, man. You know, Tyrod Taylor was very effective with his legs in that game. Tyrod in the first half. Be, in the first half. Second right? half, it was kind of shaky. Right, but he was able to score those two touchdowns. Tyrod Taylor would not be featured on this game in this game on Sunday. And what I'm looking at is, you know, you we we saw what Davis Mills can do with a little bit of you know freedom, right? And even on Sunday against the uh, against the San Francisco 49ers, right, there was times where at the line of scrimmage he was able to make plays and changes going off. So, so we, we we see what Davis Mills can do with some freedom. I think this is a game where you look at the Tennessee Titan team and of guys, if you don't know about Bud Dupree, he may not be playing. There was a mm. warrant issue for his arrest due to some nonsense that took place at a CBS. And I think I read that. I read that. And I think he was trying to take up for somebody or be a peacemaker. And somebody got out of line. I'm not 100% sure on the facts. I wasn't there. But, you know, we don't know about his status on Sunday. But the Tennessee Titans have been playing some very good football as of late. They've been winning some of these close games. They've been able to kind of, you know, just match it out a little bit. Texans still have a chance, man. One thing they have to do is their hardest to replicate what they did that was great against them the first time. Make Tannehill be in below average quarterback. Get in his face and cause him to turn over the ball. If they do that, because one thing that was very interesting about that game was, unlike a lot of games for the Houston Texans this year, the Texans had better field position than the opposing team, right? And so if you're able to create some of these turnovers midfield or where the Texans, I'm sorry, the Titans maybe starting to get into a groove offensively, create those turnovers, well, now you knock off what they can do offensively, and that's run the ball. Tannehill has to be marginalized. He has to be put in the box. You cannot allow Tannehill to be, you know, have one of those games where you look at Tannehill and say, well, I see why they're paying you $30 million. No, not at all. The Texans must leave that game and have fans thinking to themselves, why are we paying Tannehill that much money? <laughs> and, and that's all I have to do. Four interceptions, five turnovers in that first game. They was able to get in his face a lot during that first game. AQB hits the two sacks. They just got to replicate it. Now, that's going to be the hard part with guys on COVID list, guys trying to come back and get their win after coming off the COVID list, still trying to get their NFL body in shape. We saw how bad it was on them, uh, was for them on Sunday, where some of the guys that have performed very well, you know, just still trying to ease their way back into it. Now, as we mentioned earlier in the first segment, no Justin Reed. Who's going to be the extra safety back there? Do you put Mitchell back there? Uh, I'm sorry, Brooks. Does Lonnie Johnson get some more playing time? Because Jonathan Owens is also out. They have a lot of mm-hmm. questions that they look at a few weeks ago. They didn't have to answer those questions because it wasn't a part of what they had to go through. Or prepare for it, rather. Hey, Texan fans, I have an incredible app everybody who buy gas needs to know about. That's Get Upside. I love that app. I truly do. I'm saving money every time I go to the, to the gas pump and fill up my car. My listeners and myself, we're making up to $0.25 cent for every gallon of gas every time we fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN for NFL or SCORE for college and get a bonus $0.25 cent per gallon on your first fill up. 
That's up to 50 cent cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Again, just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for NFL or SCORE for college. Welcome back, Texan fans. Be sure to check out tomorrow's episode when we dive into the Tennessee Titans with our crossover show with Tyler over at the Locked On Titans. And before we get out of here today, the news surrounding <laughs> our, uh, you know, I don't know what to call them, brother. Just say the entity that continues to live. Well, I'm mentioning the um, the Jacksonville Jaguars with GM Trent Buck wants to bring in Bill O'Brien is seriously considering having him be the new head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And <laughs> I have it on a good record and a source that I, I trust that is around the Houston, Texas. Tim Kelly will not be back. That's been confirmed. He will not be back. And they are preparing to seriously consider Pep Hamilton for the OC for next year. Uh, however, how do you how do you do that, man? How, how, you're in Jacksonville. <laughs> and by the way, so people talked about the Texans a lot this year, the worst franchise and so on and so forth. Shaq Khan, the owner <laughs> of the Jacksonville Jaguars, in the last 12 months, we talked about our last 12 months, brought in Urban Meyer, a guy who we know Urban Meyer's background. A lot of bad decisions. Fans are preparing to wear clown faces and suits on Sunday. They have a home game. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're going to make fun of their owner. The one thing I think people don't realize is, you know, when fans get fed up, yeah, money is still going to come in. And this is a, you know, a, a notion to the Texas fans, but money's still going to come in. But it's nothing like that fandom in the NFL. That's why the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers are such a great uh, franchise. Or we the Green Bay Packers, right? That fandom is just something that gives those players a little bit of something extra to play for. That's something the Jacksonville Jaguars have not had the entity himself <laughs> who, despite the things Bryce Young has been able to do this year, I still think he could have been did, could have been better than what he did if Bill O'Brien was on his OC. I don't think Bill O'Brien should be a head coach in the NFL ever again. However, they are seriously considering bringing him in in Jacksonville. So kudos, Jaguars. <laughs> You now get to take this funk off of us, <laughs> bring it into your building, and let him stink it up. John, you got it over here. John, look, was Bill O'Brien the best coach? Hell no. Like, like, no, he wasn't. But I think when we take a look at the Bill O'Brien era, I think we have more so of a bad taste because of everything that happened after he became general manager, man. Because, I look, I, every time I, I take a look at Bill O'Brien, I mean, say what you want about him. Did he make some questionable calls? Yes, he did. Was he the reason why the Texans blew, let's say, what, about a good 10 games where it was his fault that I can count off the top of my head? I'm not going to do that because it's going to make me a little bit emotional, and it's part of the reason why we're in this position today. But at the end of the day i would say bill o'brien was at best let's say a very good mediocre coach because look he has the most wins in, in franchise history he spent six seasons here and out of those six years the, the texans went to the playoffs four times they was the afc south division champs doesn't four matter, times it, it doesn't matter brian back to back i think it was at 18 and 19 and the only time he didn't make the playoffs in, you know, those two years is when was like the season in 2017 when everybody was hurt. I mean, your starting quarterback was hurt. J.J. Watt, of course, was hurt. Will Fuller, of course, was hurt. 
And by the way, what the hell is going on with Will Fuller in Miami? Brian Flores came out today and said it's been two months since he's seen him. But that's another story. He's waiting on his boy. Maybe, you know, but that's another story for another day. But, um, you know, when I take a look at Bill O'Brien, look, like I mentioned, I think at best he was a very mediocre coach. And when I look at this from a Jacksonville Jaguars, they want to get somewhat of a proven coach that can at least start fixing things in the organization. I mean, as long as they keep the title of general manager away from him, I think it would be okay for Trevor Lawrence to start his career with uh, Bill O'Brien as his head coach. I mean, because look, I think Trevor Lawrence is still going to be a very good quarterback in this league. And look, if Deshaun Watson, a guy that we was dying, please take your handcuffs off to Deshaun. If Deshaun is able to thrive under Bill O'Brien, I think Trevor Lawrence will as well. And look, like I mentioned, I understand the last year that Bill O'Brien had here with the Houston Texans was just God awful. Probably the worst job it probably in Houston sports history. However, we cannot neglect what he did for those, what, five years that he was the head coach of the Houston Texans. And once again, his his head coaching record, 52 and 48, four trips to the playoffs and six it seasons. It doesn't wow you, but. No, I mean, like, I, it, like I say, at best, a mediocre, uh, mediocre head coach where, okay, he's going to be the guy that's going to start getting us, let's say, to a respectable level. Because there's one thing about Bill O'Brien when he was here with the Houston Texans. Until they traded DeAndre Hopkins, when he became the general manager, the Texans wasn't a joke. There was a team, look, on any given Sunday, they will get your ass. Yeah, 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 they did. And on any given Sunday, they might beat your ass. Let's say, what was that score? 52-10? That ass-whooping that they put on the Atlanta Falcons? What was that, two years ago? Well, I think in fairness, you're 100% correct. Bill O'Brien should be, you know, I, I, he shouldn't even be able to go into the general manager's room. Oh, you can talk to me. You call or text me. Sometimes I don't even want you to call. Just text me. I have the don't even text. Just, you, you stay over there. Right, I, but I have the freedom to respond whenever I want to. I can tell you I had bad service. So I forgot to hit send. But, I, you know, I will say this. Bill O'Brien, as of right now, is the best coach to come under the uh, Bill Belichick tree. Right. The only thing that I look at with this situation is Bill O'Brien had a generational quarterback and it took until he was fired mm-hmm. for the Texans to see the greatness of Deshaun Watson. And I'm wondering how long until if he's hired, this is all speculation. They just want to bring him in. That's pissed off a lot of Jaguar fans. But if he's hired, right, how long do they give him until they see, well, you are doing the same thing with our organization that you did with the Houston Texans. And that is you are not allowing your quarterback to flourish. And he's also a head coach where we've seen multiple times on multiple different occasions where he hits the ceiling and he can't get past it. That's mm-hmm. who Bill, I think Bill O'Brien is. Instead of going and looking at players, I'm sorry, not players, coaches that may have the opportunity to do more you're going to go with somebody that you know sure fit can get you now and get you 10 wins. But when it's time to put your big boy pants on, you went to bed. So it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, only thing I care about is Tim Kelly not being here in town anymore. What I would say, that's going to be funny as hell looking at Bill O'Brien two times a year. Right? Right? <laughs> The entity himself, he's still, he's still gonna have he's still, he's still gonna be inside NRG oh, Stadium every 
He sees it. He said, we still going to have to look at, we still going to have to compete and look at him. Somehow, somewhere. <laughs> I'm John Hickman. You guys follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Like us on Facebook. Excuse me. And again, remember to go ahead and go to YouTube, like, subscribe, and comment. And comment excuse me. We're a couple of followers away, subscribers away from 400, guys. Let's get there. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are locked on Texans. Your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.